Hey everyone, how you doing? This is Amon Green, Green Bay Packers all-time leading rusher, and you're listening to The Average Cheese, hosted by Dell and Todd, two lifelong Packer fans talking about their favorite team, the 13-time champion, Green Bay Packers. Go Pack Go! So welcome to episode 53 of the Average Cheese Podcast. I'm Dale Lobel. Peter Jones and Todd Widener are here with me today. It is the Mike Douglas episode, because if it would have been called the Nick Perry episode, Todd said he wasn't going to show up today. Full disclosure, Nick Perry was Todd's favorite player, and now he's not. Let's not start off on the wrong foot here. <laughs> I mean, honestly, let's. usually this is a little bit further down the stack. Did I start saying stuff like that? What did I used to always say when uh, Perry was playing? Like um, there was nothing to do for the for the equipment manager because they couldn't, right. they couldn't tell if his jersey was used or not. Right. He could just wear his jersey every game because it never got dirty ever. That's exactly what you said. Exactly. Un aggressive, largest beast of a human being ever. He had that one year, Nick Perry, where he was spectacular in a contract year, and it got into a bunch of money. And that was that. Tell us a little bit, Peter, though, if you could, about Mike Douglas. Yeah, drafted in 78 at San Diego State. San Diego um, State, Todd. <laughs> I did not know that. I just learned a new fact of San Me Diego too. State. Me that too. That was awesome. That's why we need Peter back on the show. I already faxed in the first 30 seconds of the show. <laughs> Sorry, we, we interrupt. Continue. No, it's, it's, I'm one of those guys that goes a little bit under the radar when you look back at the Packers players, but super player for the best part of a decade for the Packers came up with lots of big plays and, you know, in that uh, famous 83 Washington Monday night game, he scored the opening touchdown in that game, a fumble recovery return. And he was always around the football. It's one of the things about mad dog Douglas was that he had lots of force fumbles, lots of fumble recoveries. I think like 19 or something fumble recoveries. He added Packers, wow. 10 interceptions, I think it's three touchdowns, pretty much notched up the best part of a hunt attack nearly every year that he played. Yeah, drafted 78. John Anderson was the, one of the first round picks in 78 with him. And they, those two competed for the right outside linebacker spot that year until Anderson broke his arm for the first time. And Grodge broke his arm about, th- about three times. And eventually Douglas won the job and Anderson won the left outside linebacker job. And yeah, it was a fixture for, like I say, the best part of a decade for the Packers and it was one of those guys that went under the radar when it comes to pro bowl voting and all pro voting but he was um sports illustrated had the their all pro outside linebacker for three years on the trot I think 81 82 83 off, off the top of my head so one of those really really good players that had he played on a team that was constantly winning I'm sure would have been a multiple time pro pro bowler and just as a sideline that 1983 game against the Washington Redskins was on my 12th birthday, October 17th, wow. 1983. And it was a Monday night game. And my dad made me go to bed. I don't know, like real early in that game. 
So I had to pretend like I was sleeping and I listened to it like I was hiding around the corner listening to it. <laughs> My dad so, passed away, so he doesn't know these things. I don't know if you're listening, Dad. So. <laughs> he knows now. He knows now. You he knows now. Oh, Sorry, man. Dad. Although I pre, we pre probably knew. <laughs> <laughs> so the other player you could have picked for the 53 episode was Fred Carr, who was also number 53, multiple time All Pro linebacker for the pack in the 70s. That was before and, our time. And, Sorry. Well, the reason for really bringing, bringing him up, there's a, there's a kind of a little bit of a Saints connection, given the Packers are playing the Saints on Sunday, is that Fred Carr was drafted with the first round pick that the Packers got from the Saints for Jim Taylor. Hmm. Oh. So when Taylor went from the Packers to the Saints in, after the 66 season, the Packers got a first round pick and a future player to be named. And that first round pick turned out to be Fred Carr in the 68 draft. Oh, wow. It's awesome. I was trying to like, do the math. I'm like, I thought Fred Carr was around in the 70s. I'm like, did Jim Draft Taylor, did they just get the pick? Like, we're just going to keep waiting until the Saints get the first pick and then, we're gonna, <laughs> and then we get to choose. So, yeah, so Taylor moved after 66 season. So in 67, the draft had already taken place. So they got the first round pick in 68. Somewhere in the somewhere high in the top ten as well. That was a bit of useless information there for you. Not useless to me, sir. So thanks to Rhonda and all the folks at RM Management. Before I forget, and thanks to Dwight at DDG Customs. I appreciate both of you. And before I forget, we're gonna have Jamie No Last Name on the show next time, so she can help us promote our shoe raffle. For Habitat for Humanity. So Dwight from DDG Customs is going to make, make another custom pair of Packer shoes. And we won't pick a size this time. We'll actually just let the people <laughs> pick their own. <laughs> so <laughs> that Justin from Heartland doesn't have to walk around in fucking clown shoes. What size were they last year? Ten, I think they were. I mean, I got them for free. I got those shoes for free. So I was like, it's perfect. I would just have Dwight fix them up. And then we'll raffle them off. But this year, we're going to buy a pair of Air Force Ones, whatever size the winner fits into. And then Dwight will fix them up from there. And then we'll ship them off anywhere in the world. And, you know, yeah. So Jamie's going to be on next time or maybe I'll record. I don't know how what her schedule looks like, but she does a lot of stuff for charity. So she's a guest. Yeah. So I'll have a guest next time. Episode 54. I can't think any 54s right now. That's Larry McCarron. Larry McCarron. Damn it. (laughs) Jeez, I should know that with his busted up pinky that he always shows on TV. (laughs) How he holds the microphone and you just see that thing like flopping in the wind. I think he does that on purpose. It looks like a hot dog. (laughs) Just flopping around. (laughs) Like a mini hot dog that just like. He can just bend that thing at a 90 whenever he feels like it. Yeah. So strange. Weird. Let's get on with the show. Oh, yeah, the show. Yeah, we've been talking for like a half hour. I should have hit record like a half hour ago, but here we go. So a couple of quick slices before we get on with our Packer talk. TJ Watt, thoughts on what you think he will do? So he is holding out, right? Like he is talked about not reporting and not playing in game one. Mike Tomlin seems to think he's going to show up. The media has not really beaten up on TJ yet. Peter, what do you think? Does TJ Watt end up in, in, in game one? 
My guess is yes. I've got nothing to, to base that on. You have to imagine there's a whole bunch of stuff going on behind the scenes. With some of the mandatory fines and stuff now, it becomes an expensive business hold, holding out. My gut says it'll probably be there in game one, but I've got nothing to really substantiate that. That's really a big hit when you lose a game check. Todd, any thoughts on TJ Watt? I think he'll be in game one too. I think right now the front office is probably like a panic room. I think they're trying to put their heads together and figure out whatever it's going to take to get that guy on the field. Because obviously, I mean, he's the best, I mean, maybe aside from Donald, but I mean, he's the best player defensively in the NFL. He's he's going to win them games just from his play alone. So, so I, I, I mean, I think they're going to have to just pull out whatever it is they have to do to get him on the field. So there's no truth to the rumor then that the Packers off, have offered a trade, sending Kevin King to the Steelers for TJ Watt. Is that out in the media? No, no I just made. No, I just Good made it up. I just made it up because it was TJ Watt that the Packers didn't draft and <laughs> traded down in the in that draft. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. That's traded right. down in that draft and took Kevin King instead. It would just kind of be ironic if if it went the other way. I like King. I we know you do, and I hope he's great this year. We do. And speaking of lies. Not that Peter just lied. He just told the fabrication. That's all it was. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers was on Pat McAfee today. I know this is not in the notes, and I always do this to you. I spring stuff on you guys. Aaron Rodgers came out on the Pat McAfee show today and debunked or told his version of the truth on some of the things like the Murph Dorf, don't get in the way or don't be the problem Aaron Rodgers said that was a false statement. Apparently, Murphy called and said, don't be a problem or don't be the problem with the Matt LaFleur hiring. Aaron Rodgers came out and said today that did not happen. Hmm. <laughs> I don't even know where to go with that. I'm just putting it out there that I heard it today. I listened to the interview and... <sighs> So that came out, Tyler Dunn came out with that. Tyler Dunn, I would say, is a journalist. There's not a lot of journalists, like guys like Dave Burkett that we talked to is a journalist. Tyler Dunn is a journalist. Rob Domoski, journalist. They don't tend to come out with stuff that isn't true or at least isn't substantiated by at least more than one source. It's kind of their thing, right? They try to make sure that what they're printing is true. It's not like some scrub like me. I could just make up shit right now if I wanted to. And, you know, I don't have to have sources, but they do this for a living. So it's kind of interesting that Rogers came out today and said that that didn't happen. The saga continues. Yeah. And honestly, as much as I enjoy listening like to Rogers, what's that? Like a burning ember just kind of does not go out. But it needs to go away because Sunday is the first game. It's time, as much as I love listening to Rodgers and talk to McAfee and they cuss and they're very you know, candid about things, I'm, I'm done with that. I don't want to hear about the past. I want McAfee and Rodgers and Hawk and all the other fuckers that are on that show to start talking about the future. Let's talk about the games that are being played, the things that are happening. I don't want to hear that him and Matt LaFleur tongue kissed on the deck of some fucking boat. You know what I mean? I just want him to talk about what's going on now. That's what I want. I'm sorry I'm cussing so much. Habitat humanity doesn't care. Habitat for humanity is now already like a dollar twenty-five richer. 
I 100% agree. If that stuff was going to be talked about, May was the time to be having that conversation, end of April, beginning of May when it first came out. Now we've all moved on. Just leave it, just leave it alone. Yeah. yeah. Let's play. Let the ember fall apart and die out or whatever it is, because yep. I don't want to hear it anymore. Play ball. Thank you. Tom Brady, my least favorite quarterback, is in the news crying about Oh, this guy can wear number eight instead of number 28 now. Todd, if you are commenting on Tom Brady's thoughts, what would you say? Does he have a valid argument? You can say yes. It's okay. I I mean, just visually from – it's strange. After watching football this many years, my eyes are just accustomed to watching certain numbers at certain positions on on the screen. I don't know what that means for at the line of scrimmage for a quarterback, if that affects you or not. If that's the if that's the point he's trying to make, okay. He knows more about the quarterback position than I do, but it does look weird, I have to say. I mean, you see this like in, in college football, right? You see like a number eight playing middle linebacker or number two, or, you know, playing defensive end or, you know, like all this kind of stuff. It's kind of all over the place in, in college. I actually don't have a problem with it. Like, I think change is always good. So I, I don't think it's that big a deal. I don't know if, if he's whining about it. I mean, come on, dude. So the professional quarterback, somehow the college quarterbacks are able to figure out the middle linebackers wearing a number one on his jersey and call protection stuff. But Tom Brady, nope, won like 18 Super Bowls. He can't seem to figure it out. It's not your league, yeah. dude. It's not yeah, why don't you just fucking quit, old man? And retire, and then you won't have to worry about what jersey the guy's wearing across the line of scrimmage because you won't see anybody. Peter, any thoughts on any of that? It's a slow news day. Got, <laughs> that's all I can say. I'm a bit, I, I got nothing on it because it, it just doesn't bother me one way or the other. I mean, like Todd said, it's going to be a little bit weird because we've all gotten used to, to seeing certain numbers certain in certain positions and stuff. But like I say, for me, that's just a slow news day, and they've got nothing else to talk about. <laughs> I like that slow news day. On a positive note, Todd, Rashawn Gary could go back to wearing two or whatever number he wore at Michigan. Then he wouldn't have to wear 52 anymore. Because 52 should be retired. I mean, let's be honest, right? Yeah, because Frank Winters was a great career. And once he takes it off, they need to hang it into an empty locker and await the arrival of the man. He's not dead. Why would they? I didn't say he's dead. He's showing up this year to play linebacker. I still have my hopes up. All right. I hope ah. for you. You will be very happy if Clay Matthews signs a contract with Green Bay Packers. I will. I will also be if he can play. It's still a mystery why he isn't. The average cheese has a pick'em contest, which I need to send to Peter because he has a blank stare and like a look on his face. He has no idea what we're talking about. We are picking games. I am going to be perfect. I don't know how many games are played during the 2021-2022 season, but I'm going to get every one of them right. So you're all playing for second place. Peter, I will send you the link so you can take second. Are you going to put this on Twitter and all that, like a weekly update? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to talk shit because I'm going to be in first place the whole time, so it'll be easy. And you'll post it on Facebook as well? I will post it on Facebook too. (laughs) Peter is saying that because he knows that the last every other episode I've been putting on the Facebooks. So like 48, 50, and 52. I don't know why the even number thing. Why, but I, let, Hold on. Why are all the social media companies plural to you? 
<laughs> why, why are they? They are. <laughs> I, I, they are. I don't know. It's Facebooks. It's. I mean, if what is it? LinkedIn's. I mean, the Instagrams. Else? Instagrams. Everything's got. Uh, everything's plural. Every social media platform that comes out of your mouth is plural. The Twitters. No idea. But keep it going. I don't want to. I don't want to. You know. The Snapchat. Just, just pointing it out and wondering why that is. I do that to make fun of my kids. I do uh, that because I pretend like I'm super on hip and I'm like, what's uh, going on on the Twitters? Gotcha. It's no wonder I can never find you because I'm literally trying to go to Twitters. Twitters. Right. Facebook. <laughs> I will do my best to correct it, but it's really no, don't. Part, it's no, part of my no, vernacular it's now. Part of the, yeah, it's part of the show now. Yeah. So we have a pick'em contest. If you hear this before Thursday, I'll put this out on Thursday morning. Go to ESPN.com and search for AVG Cheese in the pick'em contest. We'd love to have you. I think we have about 15 people right now, not including Peter. So he will be 16. So he can take second place in this contest. And we'll give away some T-shirts and stuff, some window clings. You know, there's no entry fee. We just want to talk shit with the listeners. Yeah. And I just cussed too. All right. So let's move on to some Packers stuff. We're going to predict, you know, season predictions. Last year we did a game by game analysis of how we thought things would go. We don't have time for that because the Saints are coming up on Sunday. I guess we'll start with you, Todd. Thoughts on any thoughts on a schedule prediction besides 17 and 0? <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I don't see them, lo- I don't see them losing more than five games this year. So what, what does that take us to uh, the 12 and five? If they lose five, right. I'm going to go 13 and four, you know, as a record, I honestly think, I think we win the Super Bowl this year. I'll just go on the record to say it. I honestly think we're going to win the Super Bowl. I think we get there. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Peter thoughts on a season record. I think the Packers will be just as good this season as they were last season, but I don't think their record was be, be as good. I think they will be 11 and six. And the reason I say that is because the schedule's really tough, you know, matching up with the AFC North and the NFC West. I think they play 10 games against teams that made the playoffs last year. And then their extra 17th game is in Kansas City, which could, yeah. you know, from a toughness point of view, you couldn't bat a tougher 17th game, if you like. So I, I think it's going to be tough to repeat 13 wins, even with a 17-game schedule. And I, and I think they'll be 11-6. and six. I think that will still win the division, probably by a game or two from the Vikings. And I think the pa- at that point, I think the Packers are capable of going deep into the playoffs and, and to the Super Bowl. And that's about as far as I'm prepared to... <laughs> to speak on. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of in between. I can see 13-4, and four. But there's always a stumble game. So I've like wavered between 13 and four and 12 and five. I think that even though San Francisco is really not settled with their quarterback position, I really don't know what's going to happen. Two years ago comes back to my memory and it scares me. Last year was against San Francisco's JVs. So that doesn't really count in my mind. You know, their defense comes back, Boza's back, Warner is a really good player. I know yeah. that San Francisco's running back room is sort of up in the air. Mostert may be the guy, maybe Trey Sermon or whatever. But I think San Francisco is going to be a loss. I also look at Kansas City. Like, you never know. Mahomes is a wizard. He seems to do things. I think that might be a loss. And I think they'll lose one game in the division. 
I don't think they'll sweep the division. I think that either Justin Fields will be great for a game late in the year when they play in December, or maybe it's Minnesota. I don't know. I think they will go, you know, they'll one game from sweep the division. Cleveland scares me a little bit in the cold at the end. And Baltimore, that back-to-back Baltimore, Cleveland, it's on a shorter week. It's like a six-day week. I think that might be something to worry about too. That said, as much as I love the Vikings last year and they should be better this year, I don't know. There's just something. It's, it's a weird vibe that comes out of Minnesota. The whole Mike Zimmer, and I don't know. It's, it just doesn't seem right. So I don't think that the the Vikings are a 11 and 6 team. I think they're more of a 10 and 7, 9 and 8 type team and the Bears are worse and the, the Lions are absolute trash. So I think the Packers will end up I'm going to say 12 and 5. And I think they will win the division. For also we can talk more about Tampa Bay and the rest of the teams later cuz I don't want to just talk forever. Let's talk about uh breakout players. Last year, we had our breakout players. So, Tyler, let's start with you. There's one on each side of the ball. Just go ahead. Who are your breakout guys and why? On the offense, I've got Amari Rodgers. I just think everything that I've seen from him in the preseason is just lights out. I mean, I think I mentioned this in a, um, some of the previous episodes. The guy just – he does not look like a rookie on the football field. I mean, to me, he, he looks like he's been playing ball for a while at this level. He does not look intimidated. He doesn't look skittish. He doesn't look like he's got any of the yips. I mean, he just looks solid all around. I think he's going to be a welcomed uh, addition to not only the kick return game, whether that's he or Kylan Hill, or if they switch back and forth between punt and kickoff, I don't know. But the, he'll be in that rotation. And then to, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, I think you got to get that guy some touches. I really see the, him as being kind of the breakout player that that he's anticipated to be, right? I mean, I think everyone's got high hopes for him. For me, it's Amari Rogers on the offense. On the defensive side of the ball, it's Barnes for me. I mean, Barnes has to be good this year. He has to stay healthy. He has to become a leader on that defense that, quite honestly, right now, if you were to ask who the leader on the defense is, I don't know. Is it Smith? I mean, there's really no definitive answer to who is leading that squad on the field. He's got to step up this year into the leadership role and understand that this is my defense. You guys are listening to me. I'm in control. I'm calling the shots. Follow my lead. End of story. And plug up that middle because that's the – the biggest liability every single game that's going to be our biggest liability is the middle of the defense. So for me, it's going to be Barnes. Yeah. So I went for two kind of a little bit off the wall picks. So I, so I thought about all of the, all of those rookies, you know, Rogers and Kylan Hill and, and those guys, but I, I thought I'd dig a little bit deeper in into the depth chart. So I, I went for Malik Taylor on offense and the reason for that, and it's a little bit out there, but the reason for that was beyond Devontae Adams, I think that the wide receivers are going to see quite a lot of their time spread between the other five guys. So I think it's going to take a little while for Murray Rogers to work into the system. I think will Cobb play 17 games? I think probably not. I think that Malik Taylor is going to get more opportunities than he has previously. 
I think he's going to be active every week because of his special teams play, which will then give him more offensive opportunities. So I'm not suggesting that he's going to have 50 catches or anything like that, but I think uh, but I think he's well capable of having 30 catches this season, which I think would be a breakout for him. I don't think that's something that too many people would be kind of looking at right now and saying Malik Taylor's going to have 30 catches, but I, I think it's not beyond the realms of possibility. So he's he's my guy. He's my guy on offense. And on defense, I know that Todd will love this one, Jonathan Garvin. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I say that is a couple of reasons. One is he has to have a breakout year. Two, I think that Z Smith's been injured for much of camp and, and preseason, only came back into basically into training this week. I think that Garvin's going to get more opportunities. I think he's going to get more opportunities with this new defense because I, I think they're going to rotate the four of them, two Smiths, 52 and and Garvin in and out of there. And I could see him picking up sacks like Kyla Fackrell did about three or four years ago, where the year that Fackrell had 10, when probably nine of those sacks just almost fell to him, it felt like. And I could see that happening with Garvin. Now, I'm not suggesting he's going to have 10 sacks, but it wouldn't surprise me if he finished the season with, with five. And I've said that about Lancaster and Lowry. Like, how do you not just fall into a sack or two? But anybody on that line or any other linebacker with really good edge rushers that we have, how do you not just, like, bump into the quarterback and he falls down? We don't have anybody else. It's Smith and Smith and maybe Gary, but then there's nothing else. So we'd love to have Garvin break out. Yeah, and and, and you look at it, the times that he is on the field, He's not going to get double teamed. He's the last guy that's going to get double teamed. So, yeah. so I think he's going to have opportunities. So it's, like I say, a little bit out there, but yeah, we'll I see how, how that much goes. he'll play. I mean, I wonder. We'll see. He's got to get on the field to be able to do that. He did get a pretty good amount of time in the preseason. We'll see. My guys are going to surprise everybody because if you look back at guys that I thought were trash and guys that I thought, you know, beat up on all year. MVS was one of the guys I beat up on all year. And I think MVS is going to have a breakout season. There's a couple of reasons for that. One, at the end of the year, MVS, for the first time in his career that I can remember, started catching balls with his hands. And I think that is a huge improvement over what we've seen. Two, MVS is basically playing for his career, like you just said, Peter, with Jonathan Garvin, basically. Like, if MVS doesn't produce, he's not going to get that next big contract. And that next big contract is about to happen. MVS's biggest year receiving-wise in receptions was his rookie year in 2018 with 38. He had some impact last year in games, but he only caught 33 balls. So he has gone down in catches from his rookie year, I think MVS is about to break out. I think he's more comfortable, not just with Rodgers, but, and I don't know why this matters to me. I think he's just a more comfortable human being. Like you see him like photobombing pictures and he's very all of a sudden social on social media. And I know that doesn't make any difference other than I think this is a more confident human being and player than he was in the past. And I think that's going to lead, I hope, to less drops and more production out of MVS. So MVS is my guy on offense. And my other guy who I've also beat up on is Preston Smith. I think Preston Smith is a breakout guy. Preston Smith is in the same contract idea. He's playing for money. 
And I think that that motivates guys. Almost all of his incentives and bonuses are sack related. And if you look at Preston Smith throughout his career, it is the absolute roller coaster. Every other year, like he can't play in an even numbered year. They should, he should just take the year off. In 2015, he had eight sacks. In 2016, four and a half. 2017, eight sacks. 2018, four. 2019, 12 sacks. 2020, four. It is literally up and down. It's 2021. Preston Smith should be great. Playing for another contract, and also it's an odd-numbered year, so I expect him to be better than he has in the past. So those are my two guys. The thing with those two players that you selected, the thing they have in common too is like, I think Lafleur learned his lesson on what MVS is capable of on a football field. Hopefully, he learned his lesson. Like we know he can't go across the middle. We know he's not a ball carrier. We know he's not should not be involved in a jet sweep. Right? He's he's a one dimensional player. Hope if they understand that this year and use him where he's, you know, where his highest potential is, I think he'll be good. And the same thing goes with Preston Smith last year, who was dropping back into coverage with Mike Pettin. I mean, what the fuck was he thinking? It still yeah. drives me crazy. I, I think they're both in the kind of the same boat, right? I mean, they were, they were being asked to do last year things that they're not comfortable with on a football field. I believe that offensive coaching staff and our defensive coaching staff are going to put these guys in the right places. Exactly. I think Lafleur is a smart coach. I think he knows what MVS can do and can't do. And I hope that Joe Barry can maximize guys' talents like Lafleur is doing on the offensive side of the ball. All right, so the Packers play the Saints Sunday, 325 kickoff. Very exciting to see football. Peter, we've asked you this in the past. We haven't done this in a while, so any history, like – Tell us some Packer Saints history. Packers lead the series 17-9, so they played 26, 26 times. But the last 10 have been split 5-5-5. Five, five, five. So a lot of those Packers wins were racked up early when the Saints were, you know, an expansion franchise. Recent things have been pretty much split. Packers have played the Saints twice on, on, on the opening weekend and won both of those games, which is uh, a nice omen. And the Packers also have won, they've won more games on, uh, probably as you'd expect for a team that's 100 and one years old, 102 years old. Packers have won more games on kickoff weekend than any other team, including the last six. So the Packers have got a good record coming into the first week. And given that they're playing in, in Jacksonville, which will be hot, the Packers, when they played Jacksonville in Jacksonville, what was it, 2016, the season opener, that was the fifth warmest road game in Packers history, 90 degrees. That's the kind of temperature, I guess, certainly in the 80s that the Packers will expect to encounter down there. I think the omens are good. The history's good. If Not that that matters for much going forwards, but I think the history's on the Packers' side in, in this one. There's a historical thing here. If Aaron Rodgers plays Sunday, which barring any unforeseen circumstances between now and, and Sunday, he'll become the first Packers player to have ever played in 17 seasons. For the Packers. Yeah, starring in far both 16. Yeah, 16, yeah. I guess the other thing to remember about going into this game is that the Packers and the Saints were the two top seeds from the NFC last year at the end of the regular season. So these are two two teams that, based on last year and last year's rosters, are pretty evenly matched. 
Which is probably why the NFL put it on opening weekend, right? Yeah. They wanted to have a big game. They didn't put it on the first Thursday night game, which is fine. The Saints are not the Saints, though. The Saints are a different team than they were last year, whereas the Packers are more similar in their roster. There's a lot of changes. So no Drew Brees. Drew Brees will not be back. Jameis Winston will start a quarterback for them. That whole Taysom Hill thing, we've already beat that to death. I don't understand it. He's the backup quarterback. Alvin Kamara is still around, but no Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas is out. That's right. That's a huge thing. Because then if you look at their starting wide receivers, it's Traquan Smith, Marquez Calloway, Deontay Smith. Like These are not guys that scare you, or at least shouldn't. It's not Michael Thomas. They do have two Wisconsin players on their team. Ryan Ramchek is the right tackle for the Saints, really good player. And then Zach Vaughn plays linebacker for the Saints, also played at the University of Wisconsin. So that's kind of like the local flavor. Ty Montgomery is still buried on their depth chart Uh, somewhere. Yeah. I see he's the second string kick returner, so he will not maybe fumble a ball in the Packers' favor. Take a knee, Ty. Take a knee. Montrevious Adams. Oh, that's right. They just signed Montrevious Adams. So will Montrevious Adams have his one play to try to ole Josh Myers <laughs> during the game? I forgot about that. They just signed him, right? New England yeah. caught him, and, and they signed Montrevious Adams. It should be interesting to see how much play time Montrevious Adams gets. See how motivated he is to go out there and beat the Packers. This is probably one of the first in recent memory where it's like, because of the preseason of what the preseason has devolved into, especially from the the way the Packers handle the preseason now one less game of the preseason, which I agree with, but now teams are just picking and choosing or maybe the players too is like how much time they're actually going to be playing. But like, this is the first season. I don't even remember it a season where completely going into it blind. Like when that ball is kicked off and Rogers is under center, we have an expectation, right? I mean, you know what I mean? But it's just very different without really seeing anything in the preseason, right? You saw nothing of him or the offense or, or any of the starters for that matter. It's just going to be very different. Yeah, no, and that's my biggest concern, to be honest with you, for the Packers, is that they start they start slow. So if, if you remember remember that game, the Rodgers game where he got injured against Chicago in the, in the first game of the season and came back in the second half and they came back from that deficit to win two or three years ago, whenever that was. In the first quarter of that game, even before Rodgers got injured, they looked terrible. They looked like they'd never seen each other before. And that's that, I think, is is probably the biggest concern that I have for the Packers this week, that they come in completely undercooked. It takes them a half to, to start getting getting it all together because there is a timing thing and there's just a there's no substitute for being out there on the, on the field playing in actual games. So that's my biggest concern for the Packers. I, I, it's a really good point, Todd. Todd raises there and I just hope that in that first quarter in that first half when when they're trying to gel as it were that Jameis Winston doesn't have his one good half of football without any interceptions of the season yeah well, Alexander's going to get at least one that game one pick oh yeah and I like the fact like not only is it going to be strange from the, from that perspective but it's also going to be strange that it's on neutral territory in Jacksonville to open the season in neutral territory when it's supposed to be an away game. I don't know if that there's an advantage or disadvantage, but it's kind of, there's just all this kind of like 
oddball stuff that isn't you know doesn't follow the the normal script kind of interesting to watch it all unfold is there anybody on defense on the saint side of the ball peter that scares you concerns you cam jordan defensive end so he had a slight down year last year i can't remember the exact numbers but he had like seven and a half or eight and a half sacks and normally he's in double figures i think he's been double figure sacks for the previous three or four years before that so he's kind of their their real star on defense and i guess the other top player i guess on defense they've got is the corner marshawn latimore he doesn't scare you so much i i, I think jay is a better player so i think cam jordan i think that cam jordan up up against Elton Jenkins will be starting at left tackle. I think will be a key battle. I expect Jenkins to handle him, but but again, you know Jenkins hasn't played in the preseason, etc. So it might take a little bit of time just to get up to game speed. Yeah, did Marshawn Lattimore play in a game last year against the Packers? I don't know for sure, but Alan Lazard went off yeah. in that game, right? I'm going to yeah. guess that he, but even if Marshawn Lattimore played, he probably wasn't a he probably was against you know up against MVS. Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing Marshawn Lattimore doesn't scare me because I think Devonte Adams is. It doesn't almost doesn't matter who is on the other side is going to get his Great. catches. Cam Jordan, right? If he plays the right defensive end spot against Elton Jenkins, I feel pretty good about that. I, I'm not super concerned with their defense. I, th- this feels almost like I'm too confident for me. Like, I don't see a way that the Packers lose this game, but let's just move on. Peter, you talked about your key was you feel like they're going to be slow coming out of the gate. They haven't gotten enough reps together. They're going to be unfamiliar. Todd, any keys on offense for you in this game against the Saints? Keys on for the Packers offense or keys? Yes. Oh, for the Packers offense? Um, I think we have to rush the football over 100 yards. I don't know if that's collective, collectively or Jones or individually, but we have to uh, breach that that uh marker got to get over 100 yards in rushing i think that's going to keep the defense honest slow the clock down and control the ball and give us some ball control but i think it's going to be the aaron Rodgers show all over again it's going to be over 300 yards four touchdowns no picks and crazy qbr rating um and and if we do that in 100 yards in rushing i don't think there's anything that can stop us in this game for me, you could roll any tape from any average cheese podcast that we did last year. I think the Packers have to start fast. And I don't know that they can with the zero reps they've gotten in any preseason game. The key for me on offense is that we get the ball, we control the ball. Yes, it's going to be 80 degrees. It's going to be 150% humidity in Jacksonville. I think because guys haven't gotten any real reps in the preseason, they're not going to be in football shape. And I think we need to control the clock. So I think it goes to what you said too, Todd, is we need to be able to run the football, hold the football, and be able to wear New Orleans down because they haven't had a ton of reps in the preseason either. So I'm hoping that we can control clock. That is my key. First play of the game. First play of the season, first play of the game, streak to MBS. Just air it out. Just get it out of your system. Why not? If it works. Try and right. stop it. You got Aaron Rodgers throwing it. You know MBS can most likely get behind. If he doesn't get behind a defensive back, his length will. Right? So air it out. Hmm. Fuck it. We'll see. There we go. There what about defense then, Todd? Since you, you're on a roll. Continue. <laughs> I am. Wow. What, 
What's your key on defense? Oh gosh, it's the middle. It's 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 Lowry and Lancaster, you know, and the whole linebacking, you know, debacle. I, I mean, the the defensive line and and the linebacking core have to come together this year. They have to be better. They have to be in sync with one another. Our backfield is is as good, or if not the best, in the NFL. When you know with our corners and safeties, and it's up front, man. I mean, our ends are great. You know, Rashawn Gary, I think, is going to have a great year. But it's it's the middle of the defense for me. I mean, it's it's like a broken record, but we just have to find a solution. And whether that's X's and O's coming from a new defensive coordinator with Barry, or guys just kind of stepping up. Um, one way or the other, it's it's the middle of the defense. For me, it is we cannot allow Alvin Kamara to do what Alvin Kamara did last year. It's every it's, year. Every, well, right. The Packers struggle to do anything against Alvin Kamara. And I know that he's a great player and he had what six touchdowns against the Vikings in 2020, something like that. If you look at the rest of their roster, again, if you take away Michael Thomas, if you take away Michael Thomas. There's nobody else. There is no one else that scares you on this offense. You cannot have Ty Summers flailing around like a little girl and Oren Burks. You need to have someone that can cover Alvin Kamara out of the backfield. It's almost like, to me, a spy situation. Just have someone. We don't have Raven Green and Ray Wilborn is on the practice squad, but who follows Alvin Kamara around the field? If they play that star defense, do they put Darnell Savage or Adrian Amos on Alvin Kamara? Because I don't know how that all works, but you don't have anybody else that scares you. I think you've got to stop Alvin Kamara, and they won't be able to score without him. I agree. I mean, I think the thing with with Kamara is he's going to get some yards, but what I can't allow is him to turn five-yard gains into 65-yard gains, which he did last year in the game last year because – the Packers seem to have like 17 missed tackles on the same play. And you're right. They've got to make sure that they, they tackle well and, and keep him to those five five yard swing pass out of the backfield at seven yards, not 67 yards. The other thing for me is we know that Jameis Winston is interception prone. We know that Packers are likely to get two or three opportunities at interceptions during, during this game. If Winston's previous is anything to go by, they have to take advantage of not necessarily all of those, but they have to take advantage of some of those. If he throws, you know, two balls up for grabs, they've got to take advantage of, of one of those. They can't be dropping in interceptions left, left, right, and center. Else, we will we will end up in a in a shootout game in in the second half. Not only does Jameis Winston throw interceptions, and if you look though, that thirty that he threw in Tampa Bay the last year was, I mean, that's a crazy number. No matter what, he threw like six hundred and twenty-five passes that year. Like, that almost seems like you set him up to fail. Like, Bruce Arians was asking him to do something he couldn't do, and he threw the ball all over the yard. That said, he still throws interceptions to what you said. And he's careless with the football. What's that? Didn't Favre had almost 30 one year? I feel like he did. I feel like he had 29 one year. But he's not going to be a 30 interception guy. Same with Favre, though. It's the attempts, right? Versus, I mean, yes, 30 is ridiculous. It's not good no matter how many attempts. But when you do the numbers, I mean, yes, I I get what you're saying. And about game situations, isn't it? It's it's about if you can get up by two scores in the second half, you're putting them in a pass every down situation, which puts more pressure on him. That's like every game, I think. There'll be some 
turnover opportunities and the uh, for me the Packers have to take it have to take advantage of it. The other thing I wanted to say was Jameis Winston also fumbles the ball a lot. So he has 88 interceptions in his career, basically over five years. He's played for six, but he didn't play at all last year in New Orleans. And he also he averages almost 10 fumbles per season. Jeez. So he really is careless with the football. So whether it's Zadarius or Preston Smith or Rashawn Gary sacking him, they need to go after the football because he's going to carry it around loosely. To what you said, Peter, they need to take advantage of the opportunities. They're going to get opportunities and they have to take advantage for sure. Because if they do, this isn't a close game on paper. I think it's going to be a close game, but I don't think it should be. Special teams, we don't need to go over the key in special teams. We've talked about this 8 million times. (laughs) Let's hope that Mason Crosby's leg is nice and fresh and he can kick it through the end zone every time the Packers score and that our new punter Bahorquez can bomb it like 80 yards with eight seconds of hang time so that we don't have to worry about coverage issues. Don't they need to come up with another name for special teams? Because they're anything but. I already have one, but I can't say it on the air. (laughs) I I, I already read through that for you. As a teacher, you could. I got it. I got it. We got it. We got it. No further. Cutting that part off. Yeah. They're special for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Special. They are. They are. Yeah. I feel bad for for the. Didn't Maurice. It's Maurice Drayton, right? Is the coach. Wasn't he an assistant, Peter? Under Menanga? Man. But this is his first year as it's his job to lose. It's not starting. Out. It's not right. Punter that's never punted in a game for the Packers right off. Well, the- anything's better than Scott, right? Who's just like, gosh, he's such a strange human. He really is. I mean, he's just, he had to just be the, you know how like guys are just, he had to just be so awkward in the, in the locker room, right? J.K. Scott. I mean, can you just see all the guys kind of like bumping tunes and, coming out of the weight room and stuff. And then like JK Scott rolls in. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just kind of like a shit, man. You wonder what that whole conversation was between him and Mason Crosby after the missed kick. Well, Crosby said, you're fucking fired, dude. <laughs> I've been here for how many fucking years and you're fired. I'm the Amazing. captain of the kicking team. You're fucking fired. That's it. I'm gonna punt next, by the way, and I and I did. <laughs> You're done. So Mason Crosby went over to Aaron Rodgers and go get that guy fired. Right. I was gonna, I was gonna say put so, it on the twitters. So so Rodgers is the GM and Mason is the assistant GM. Right. That's. I mean, yeah. That's great. That's uh, great. I mean. Who knows? But I mean, you saw the death stare he gave him after he shanked that kick in the preseason. It was like, the fuck are you doing? And he still, still was angling his body toward the exact placement of where he was trying to punt the football. And the, and the returner's just standing there. Yep. Like, and dude. now he's gone. Should be and interesting now, what the new guy can do because he's left footed. And that's, that yeah. also causes problems for guys that return. Maybe he'll. I, I think J.K. Scott is going to have a rap career. That's probably what he's doing now. <laughs> a rap career? <laughs> Did you see him? He's going to have a gospel so rap badass. career. I mean, big old chain. We're totally stereotyping him right now. Yeah. Yeah. So we need to finish this off with a score prediction. Anybody want to go first? I will. 34-17, pack. 
Very good. I will say 30-27. I am nervous about the offense, and I think it will get going, but I also worry that we won't take advantage of the turnovers that we talked about before. So I say 30-27 to Packers. I think the Packers win 28-27. Since it won't be. who? I wonder who will hold for kicks. Will be Bohorkers? Um, has to be. Has to be. I, I mean, know. that's that's part of your job as a punter. Hopefully they got that straight before Sunday. Just looking forward to getting the real stuff played. Thanks for listening to episode 53, the Mike Douglas episode. All right, go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.